Good morning. I am so grateful to be with you this morning. Um, it's one of my greatest joys to be in Bible study with other women. And I would especially like to welcome any women who are joining us for the first time this year today. Um, we are just so delighted to have you um, join us as we begin the study of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Um, I'm excited to begin our study of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John because by engaging in this study, we are placing ourselves in the position to be challenged and changed by the Holy Spirit through his word. And we are once again inviting the Holy Spirit to, to continue his good work in us, to transform us into the likeness of the Lord Jesus. So, abiding in hope. What does that actually mean? Um, in First and Second Peter, we talked about our identity being found only in Christ. We talked about where our hope is found only in Christ. We talked about how we are to live as Christ followers and living as, how living as Christ, Christ followers is what gives us influence. In John's letters, we will be spending a lot of time unpacking what it means to abide, what it means to abide in different spheres of our walk with the Lord Jesus and really in all of our life because our walk with the Lord Jesus, our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus really does influence the entirety of our life. It's not just one sphere or segment of our life. So in order to um, think a little bit more deeply about what abide means, I think a good place for us to start is just to find out what the word how the word is actually defined. This is what we're going to be doing today, by the way. We're going to talk about abide. We're going to find out who John is, um, the purpose of his writing, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the content of these letters. So what does abide mean? Abide means to remain stable or to continue in a place, to remain stable or to continue in a place. So if we put that back into the title of our study, Abiding in Hope, that means we are stably staying in hope. Hope actually becomes a um, distinguishing characteristic of our life as we abide in hope. As we continue in that place of hope, it begins to transform us. And we will see that, um, that John calls us, kind of overridingly calls us to hope, but what does that mean? He calls us to abide in several different areas. This word abide um, is found 18 times in these three letters. And in some versions of scripture, we'll see this word translated live, um, so as to live in hope, to live in light, to live in love, to live in truth. Other versions translate it to remain, um, kind of like with our definition right here. For our study, we will mostly, mostly be using the words abide or abiding. There's an element of steadfastness or solid standing that is conveyed with the word abide. And this is what we are called to do. We're called to abide in Jesus. We're called to abide in light, abide in love, abide in truth, abide in hope. This is a fundamental characteristic of a Christ follower, and one that underlies all that the author of these letters reiterates over and over. So who is John? 
The author of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John was also the author of the Gospel of John. If you compared the language and style of these three letters with the Gospel of John, you'll see that they are almost identical. Traditionally, the book of Revelation is also attributed to this same John. Although some scholars believe the author of all of these books to be an anonymous person from among Jesus' earliest followers, all of these books have most often been attributed to John, son of Zebedee, brother of James. John and his brother James and their father Zebedee were partners with Peter and Andrew in a fishing business on the Sea of Galilee, um, according to Luke chapter 5, verse 10. John was one of the first disciples that Jesus called to follow him right from the shores of Galilee, and John was at that time quite possibly still a teenager. The nickname Sons of Thunder, given to James and John by Jesus, points to James's and John's youth and immaturity, even as they followed the Lord Jesus. Some scholars speculate that John's mother, Salome, was actually the sister of Jesus' mother, Mary. In any case, Jesus' family was possibly known to the family of John, and, what, and John's family would have been aware of Jesus' earliest teaching, as Matthew 4.13 tells us that Jesus left near Nazareth and began his public ministry in Capernaum after his time of temptation in the wilderness. John and his brother James, along with the disciple Peter, formed what came to be thought of as Jesus' inner circle. These three disciples were included by Jesus in three very intimate moments in Jesus' ministry. The raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead, the time of transformation on the mountain, And when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane, he chose those three disciples to come with him and to stay closest to him as he was um, in prayerful agony before he was uh, betrayed and arrested. According to the gospel accounts, John is the only male disciple at the foot of the cross during the agonizing hours of the crucifixion. In his gospel, John describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was also the disciple to whom Jesus gave care of his mother uh, until, as Jesus was dying. And tradition says that John cared for Mary until her death, um, and they were living in Jerusalem at that time, quite, quite probably. John was the disciple who ran with Peter on resurrection morning um, after Mary Magdalene and another woman just named the other Mary and several other of Jesus' closest female disciples came and told the the male disciples that Jesus had been raised. Um, John and Peter then ran to the empty tomb to see for themselves that yes, in fact, the tomb was empty and, um, and Jesus had been resurrected. After Jesus' ascension into heaven and the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, um, John and Peter quickly came to be thought of as leaders of the Jerusalem church. In fact, in Galatians 2.9, Paul refers to John as a pillar of the church. And these comments from Paul in Galatians were more than likely written about 15 years after the day of Pentecost. Um, And um, Paul 
when, when he had his experience on the road to Damascus and then went out into the wilderness and was discipled, when he finally came back to Jerusalem, he sought out Peter and John as pillars of the church. Um, and it was um, Peter and John who gave um, Paul the right hand of fellowship and um, welcomed him into um, the fellowship of believers. Presumably, John stayed in Jerusalem as a leader of the church for about 30 years after Jesus' resurrection. And just before the complete devastation of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in AD 70, John moved his ministry to Ephesus, Ephesus, which is in modern-day western Turkey. At this point, the network of house churches that Paul had planted on his second missionary journey um, was about 15 years old, this network of house churches. By the time John arrives, the network of house churches is about 15 years old. And from that time on, Ephesus became the geographical center of the spread of Christianity. From there, John had close contact with this group of house churches that had taken root during Paul's ministry. And it is believed that John wrote his gospel as well as these three letters that we will study this semester sometime in the late 80s AD from Ephesus. By this point, he had been in the area for about 20 years and was well established as the leader of the church. He was affectionately called the elder and was revered as the last living disciple who had physically walked with Christ. This was before he was exiled by the Roman emperor Domitian to the island of Patmos. There, John received the visions of heaven and the revelation of Jesus that are recorded for us in his book entitled The Revelation. So why did John write these letters? I think that's an important question for us always to ask whenever we start a new study. Let's make sure we understand who the author was writing to and what was the purpose, um, if we can find that, what was the purpose of the writing so we know the original intent of whatever it was that was being written. In this case, three letters. So John wrote the letters that we know of first as as of first, second, and third John to address early heresy that it had begun to find an audience and had led to a rift in the church. Much of what John speaks of deals specifically with claims made by those who had left the fellowship of the church to create a new community. This new community, they denied that Christ came in the flesh. These people that left this church, they denied that Jesus was the son of God. And these group, this group of people that left the church also denied their own sinfulness. John wrote to his beloved church body to remind them of the truth of the gospel that they had been taught since the beginning, way back when Paul had come to Ephesus and planted the first church there. John wrote to encourage these dear people to stand firm in the faith and to abide in truth. So it may be helpful to think of John's letters as being similar to a work of music, one that has themes that you hear repeated as they go on throughout the piece of music. It begins with a theme, 
John's letter begins with a theme and then circles back around to the theme several times with each subsequent appearance of the theme, including a little variation and a further explanation of the first phrase. This technique that John uses is called amplification. It will be important for us to keep this in mind as we read and study, because often as Westerners, we think that any argument or explanation needs to be linear in structure. And if we approach these letters with the expectation that the uh, argument or the explanation is going to be linear, we are going to probably find ourselves getting frustrated and a little bit confused. So there will be certain themes that we see brought back up and repeated and a little bit further explanation as we go through all three of these letters. John actually addresses several themes in this manner all three, all, all through three, these three letters. Some of the more prominent themes include light, love, and truth. Light, so we must walk in the light. Love, so we must love God and love one another. And truth, Jesus is the Son of God, and he alone provides salvation. There are other themes that we will see as we go through the letters, but be sure to keep these in mind in particular. In order for us to remember some of these themes, we have this handy-dandy little slide that one of my daughters created. And, um, and we will use this slide again and again just to remind us of this amplification of the themes. John was the last apostle of the 12 apostles to die. At the time of his death, he had lived some 60 years past Jesus' ascension into heaven. John knew what it was like to see Jesus with his physical eyes. He knew what it was like to hear Jesus with his physical ears. He knew what it was like to be squished against Jesus in the throngs of people trying to follow Jesus. He also knew what it was like to walk with Jesus on lonely roads. He knew what it was like to be associated with a popular teacher. And he also knew what it was like to stand there and watch in agony as he was crucified. He was physically there. And John tells us in the prologue of this, of this first letter that he wants us to experience the same fellowship that he had with the Lord Jesus when the Lord Jesus was physically on earth. We have that opportunity as Christ followers to have that exact same fellowship that John and the other followers of the Lord Jesus had when he was physically on this earth. John had the joy of seeing Jesus' resurrection firsthand and have, having interaction with the resurrected Jesus. And that is the joy that he wants us to experience as well. After all of that, after all of his physical senses being able to experience Jesus for several years of ministry, John then lived out 60 years of not seeing Jesus face to face, of not hearing his voice audibly and being squished up against him in crowds. 
John knew what it was like. John knows our experience as well. He saw Jesus and heard him and ministered with him. And then for 60 years, he lived being filled by the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the gospel so that others could experience that same fellowship in the same way that we are to live, abiding in the understanding that we are to live in light, love, truth, We are living under the umbrella of abiding in hope because the Lord Jesus is our one true hope. We have the opportunity to do just what John did, to live the balance of our lives, proclaiming the gospel so that others too might understand the true fellowship with the one true God. Although the years slowed him down, John continued to be that son of thunder. We can see it in his writings, and as we dig into these letters, we'll see the passion that um, caused Jesus to nickname him son of thunder. He never lost the passion for the truth. As he got older, even though his heart continued to be filled with passion, his body deteriorated. All of us were wasting away. Um, John was lovingly carried by his disciples to their meeting times. He was affectionately called the the elder. He never lost his desire to proclaim the truth. And so with that desire, he writes these letters to these beloved children of his in the faith, trying with all that is in him to make sure and certain that they have heard the truth of the gospel spoken from his lips. He wants to make sure that they remember that their faith has been built on the solid foundation of the truth of Jesus. And John knew that they needed to be reminded of that truth. We too need to be reminded, regularly reminded by our fellow believers, but we also need to get into the practice of regularly reminding ourselves, of preaching the gospel to ourselves so that we are not easily led astray by those who preach a message other than the one given to us by the Lord Jesus. Whether your story with Jesus is just starting or you have been walking a long time in this life with the Lord Jesus, we each have a story to tell of his faithfulness, his tenderness, his love, his conviction, his change and challenge, his healing and forgiveness, and on and on and on. And that is what we have the opportunity to do in our groups, in this study, as we open the word of God. Each time you share with your small group about what the Lord Jesus is doing in your life, you are preaching the gospel. Each time you listen to and encourage one another, another you are proclaiming the gospel. You are calling each other to abide in light and love and truth. This is how we are reminded of our true foundation. We are offered the same fellowship that John had with the God of the universe. 
And we experience that as we proclaim the gospel, his truth that will never change. So as we begin this study, what is it in your life right now that needs to be brought into the light? Where in your life do you need to more fully experience the love of God in order to love others well? And what truth of the gospel do you need to believe more fully in order to live that truth out more thoroughly? So we're going to take the next three minutes and think about these questions and I hope maybe you'll also think about these as we go through the semester, inviting the Holy Spirit to show you where you might choose to abide in love, light, and truth more um, intentionally. So seriously, right now, we'll take these next three minutes. Let me read to you from 1 John 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come 
And he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. This is who we proclaim to one another. This is the gospel of the one true God. John has a lot to say to us in these letters. He will challenge us as he speaks the truth of the gospel. In all of it, John points to Jesus, the only one who enables us to abide in hope. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are grateful for the work that you promise to do in us and that you continue to do each moment that we are breathing until we see Jesus face to face. I ask that you would light a um, fire of passionate desire for the Lord Jesus in each of our hearts. Give us a ravenous appetite for your word. Cause us to be enraptured by your presence. I ask that you would um, knit our hearts together as a group of women who are seeking to follow you faithfully. Bless our time together in our small groups. Would you be with friends of ours who aren't able to be here this morning, those who are experiencing uh, particularly difficult seasons in life, would you have your hand of peace on them and provision and faithfulness? We thank you so much for giving us your son, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and being among us so that we might know who you truly are. In Jesus' name, amen.